At Alina Health, it's our mission to provide exceptional care, prevent illness, restore health, and provide comfort to all people in our community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole, with the WellCast. Having a loved one that's dealing with an illness or disease can be very hard on the caregiver. From the moment of diagnosis, your life as a caregiver or spouse or loved one is really changed. My guest today is Dr. Gail McBride. She's a licensed psychologist with Alina Health Shakopee Clinic. Welcome to the show, Dr. McBride. So let's talk about the caregivers because people sometimes are willing to try to take on helping their loved ones, but it can be just as hard on this person that is taking care of their loved one dealing with a disease. Absolutely. And we're looking at people who give care across the lifespan. You know, we see parents caregiving for children as well as adult children caring for aging parents or spouses caring for each other as they go into later years of life. It can be so hard on both people, especially if you're talking about spouses, because it changes the whole dynamic of a marriage. What advice do you give people every day on dealing with that caregiving need? Because so many of those needs are definitely intimate, different, hard to deal with. It definitely puts a strain on marriages in particular because it shifts that relationship from a romantic loving one often to just providing those simple um, activities of daily living kind of cares. Um, And the intimacy often drops back and and sometimes even the companionship. uh, For the caregiver, it's really important to continue to make sure that needs are being met, um, social needs, you know, staying in contact with friends, having the support needs, whether you're talking to um, other individuals who have similar struggles and kind of sharing those in sort of a peer support sort of way or even reaching out for professional support and making sure that other people can kind of help meet your emotional needs in a way that maybe your um, aging or ailing partner no longer can. So one of the difficult things, and I've been a caregiver myself quite a few times, is you're working a job at the same time sometimes because you have bills to pay and things that you have to do. So what effect does caregiving with that stress have on your health and well-being? You know, as many as one in six caregivers are working full-time or part-time, and there are a number of different challenges for those individuals. You know, if you're caregiving and working a job in in a competitive employment setting, oftentimes those caregivers are returning to that job and they're they're often fatigued, Um, they're not sleeping well, they're not taking care of their needs, but they're not eating, they're distracted uh, because they're they're worried about their loved one that they're caregiving for, and it really decreases productivity on the job when you're not able to take care of yourself well. And there can be a huge cost to just your employer if you you are not a well caregiver yourself. There, there's a there's a financial cost, and and you mentioned the the importance of holding that job sometime to be able to afford to be the caregiver. And oftentimes, because the care recipient isn't able to hold a job, we find that caregivers are not only just trying to afford their own bills, but they're trying to help afford the bills for the the care recipient, whether it's being able to help afford the groceries or the doctor's appointments or paying off a hospital bill. They are oftentimes taking their own financial resources and putting it toward that care recipient who may or may not be living in their home. So what do you want caregivers to know about taking on this role and making sure that they have that support that they need? Because it really can, it it can change your life dramatically. 
You know, the first and most important thing that you need to know as a caregiver is the thing that you learn when you get on the airplane, which is put on your own oxygen mask first before you begin to help others. If you're not taking care of yourself, your own health and wellness is compromised to the extent that you cannot adequately help others. It means you need to nurture yourself, eat well, sleep well, get exercise, um, and keep your life in as much balance as you can and keep your own structure and consistency so that you can be there as fully as, as possible to be a caregiver. You also need to know when to ask for help, to bring in other resources, um, and to know your own emotional and physical limits. And I add physical in there because sometimes as you're going down this this road, this marathon of caregiving, we can tend to overexert and cause illness or injury to our own body um, when we are trying to do this as non-trained professionals, but, you know, loving, caring family members. And we can overexert and, and harm ourselves to an extent that we can no longer be a caregiver. What are some signs that we are overexerting? When do you know that you need to just, like, ask for help? When you see your... Uh, your own symptoms either either worsen or if you notice new symptoms, symptoms like fatigue or, you know, increase in illnesses, you know, you get that cold and, and then you get the next one and the next one, you get whatever's kind of going around. Your immune system seems to be compromised. Um, if you notice you're short and irritable or you're just kind of tired and run down all the time, you find yourself sleeping too much or, or not enough. Um, if your concentration seems to be shot or you find yourself resenting being in the caregiver role, these are all things that are, are hints and signs that maybe you need to step in or step back and have someone else help you. That's an important point that you make, Dr. McBride. And so speak about that resentment a little bit. What do you tell people about dealing with that, doing what you do as a licensed psychologist, about that resentment, about that feeling of I'm giving up my life to take care of this loved one of mine? How do you help them reconcile that feeling? You know, a lot of times it's sitting back with a patient and evaluating the reasons they took on these responsibilities to begin with. You know, they did this oftentimes because it preserves the, the dignity of the loved one in their in their lives, you know, that allows someone to stay home longer. Um, and helping someone kind of come back to the reason that they made that decision is often very useful. If they made it and it's financially driven and it, and it began from a place of resentment and just feeling kind of stuck, then sometimes we try to see if we can't get someone hooked up with more resources. So someone who might be um, of a social work or home care kind of background that might be able to expand what we as kind of lay people know are out there as, as resources and, and be able to kind of add to the, the, the caregiving network for an individual. And if it's not in a local community, oftentimes there are national organizations that can also step in or provide ideas. Um, the American Cancer Society has a good number of just amazing programs that help families and loved ones financially that oftentimes patients and their caregivers don't even know about. So you mentioned putting on your own mask before you put on the mask of others. And what do you recommend for caregivers to make sure that they are taking care of themselves in regard to making time for exercise or meditation or going out with friends? You know, I often recommend to my patients that they... Um, structure it like an appointment. They make appointments with themselves. 
you know, my patients are really great at making appointments, um, and they do it all the time. They do it for the person that they're caregiving for, and, and we forget because when we're trying to do these things for ourselves, we fit it in, and when we fit it in, it's often the very first thing to fall off of the agenda. But if you set it as an appointment or a reminder on your phone or a calendar or you begin to structure it in every day, then it becomes a more part of your normative routine. And that's what's so important. And what do you want caregivers to know about when they seek help? If they are looking for somebody professional to help them, what should they be looking for? You know, first and foremost, if you're looking for professional help, you have to feel like you have a really good interpersonal fit. I tell my patients at their first visit with me that they need to feel like they've met someone they really kind of connected with. And that is an important decision for them to make. I can't make that on their behalf. Um, And, you know, things like age and gender and life experience and those kinds of things factor out in in service of making sure you have a good fit and rapport with your therapist. Um, It's really important for patients to know they're not alone and to know that, you know, you can talk with with a therapist or a professional um, on an individual basis, but sometimes group interventions are extremely help- helpful because they allow people to talk, interact, build a support system, and know that they are not the only ones going through these really complicated feelings. And that's such an important point. And in just the last few minutes here, give your best advice for caregivers out there when to ask for help and some signs that it could be too much for one person to take on. You know, the signs that it's too much are when you know that your depression, maybe you're prone to depression, is increasing and it's really not kind of, you know, leveling itself back out and you're going two, three weeks or a month and the depression is is really getting, you know, quite bad um, or the anxiety has gotten up. If you notice that you have started uh, increasing your alcohol intake or you've picked up smoking again and these are, are behaviors that you've had, you know, well managed for a long time and you notice that these things are kind of getting to be uh, too much for you to handle. They may be signs and symptoms that you need to intervene in a more aggressive kind of way, like seeing a therapist or even talking to your primary care provider about what the right in- in- intervention might be for you. If you find yourself neglecting your responsibilities um, or you're cutting yourself off because I just can't handle one more thing, I can't take one more person asking me for something, or I just don't take enjoyment in in the things that I used to, to enjoy in my leisure time, those are all times to say I need help before I do any more caregiving. That's so important. And just wrap it up for us with advice for the caregivers on self care. Self-care is critical, and, you know, those things that we've said before, like getting good sleep is one of the most key things that you can do. We're not looking so much at quantity of sleep. We're looking at good quality sleep, being able to fall asleep and stay asleep, Um, eating healthy, balanced meals every day, getting that exercise in and adequate hydration are the four basic things that you can do for wellness, no matter kind of what the disease or condition. For then caregivers, you know, ask for an advocate, ask for support, ask primary care, ask your therapist uh, to direct you to a treatment that might be best to kind of support you. Don't forget relaxation, mindfulness, prayer, meditation, all of those things carved into your life help create a lot of balance as you go through a really stressful time. What great information and so beautifully put. Thank you so much, Dr. McBride, for being with us today. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.